Today, we conclude our sermon series, Prophets in Profile. In the last two months, we learned about Miriam, Elijah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Jonah, Daniel, Nehemiah, if you're at 8 o'clock service. And today, we close with Queen Esther in Persia. Let us pray. O Lord, open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear you. Open our hearts that we may feel you. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. Amen. Going to South Africa was truly an eye-opening experience for me. I loved everything about the pilgrimage. Thanks to Pastor Nate's awesome connections, we were able to visit churches, schools, and orphanages and build friendships with people there. One of the places we visited where our hearts were just deeply, deeply moved and utterly broken at the same time was at Seiki Foundation. Seiki Foundation feeds about 200 orphans and elderly people on a weekly basis solely on donations from people and organizations without any aid from the government. It's located in a neighborhood called New Brighton Township in Port Elizabeth that has been devastated by the AIDS epidemic. Parents either died of AIDS or mothers abandoned their children and left with men from the city who promised them a better future. Such situation obviously created orphans who had nowhere to go. Fifteen years ago, Mama Bono, who was 67 at the time, decided that she could not just sit back and watch these orphans go hungry. So she did something about it. She started feeding them at age 67, where many people in the United States are either tired, re retired or thinking about retirement. She raised money and gathered volunteers and started cooking for the orphans and the elderly. She's now a vibrant 82-year-old, still doing what she's been doing for the last 17, 15 years, taking care of 200 orphans and the elderly in her neighborhood every single week. Unfortunately, every so often, the place would get robbed. All the pots and pans and cooking utensils would be taken. Such was the case a few months ago when the place was broken into overnight and everything was gone when Mama Bono came in the morning, even the stove. The children were coming in a few hours, and so instead of taking inventory of her losses, Mama Bono wasted no time to hit the streets to gather whatever food she could so she wouldn't have to send children away hungry when they came. And the children were fed that day and every day after that as they put the place back together pot by pot and pan by pan. It was so heartbreaking, inspiring, and humbling to hear her story. 
Mama Bono refused to be defined by what happened to her, her neighborhood, and all the orphans. Instead, she chose to tell the story of what God wanted to do through her. It was a decision she could not, not make. People like Mama Bono, tiny woman with a huge heart, remind us how ordinary people can be strong and brave in face of incredibly difficult situations. Mama Bono must have felt like she had very little control over what was happening to the orphans and to her foundation when it got broken into. Mama Bono could have just said, I give up. I tried. I tried my best. There is nothing else I can do. They even took the stove. I can't cook. Oh well, the children will just have to go hungry today. After all, she was helpless over the situation. Or was she? When was the last time you felt utterly helpless? When was the last time you felt like you had very little control over your life or what happened to you? Mama Bono did not accept what was happening to her and the children in her town. Instead, she did something about it. Esther and her people in Persia were also living through the time when they felt like they had very little control over what was happening to them. The story of Esther takes place around 400 BC when King Xerxes ruled Persia. One day, the king threw a huge party and wanted to show off his queen, Queen Vashti, to all of his guests, but the queen refused to come. This angered the king, so he dismisses her as his queen and sets out to find a new queen. Enter beautiful Esther. She's an orphan Jewish girl who had been adopted and raised by her uncle Mordecai. The king sees her and falls in love, and she becomes the new queen. Now enter Haman. I really wish I had a puppet to do this, or puppets. This would have been such a perfect puppet show. Next time, you bring the puppets, and I'll do it, okay? <laughs> Haman is the villain in the story. He is the king's most trusted advisor who makes everyone bow down to him. Well, guess what? Mordecai refuses to bow down to him. And so instead of killing just him, Haman finds out that Mordecai is a Jew and plots to kill all of the Jews in the land. A lot is cast and the date is set for the annihilation of the Jews. This is where today's passage picks up in chapter 4. Mordecai asks Esther to go to the king and ask him to save her people. You are the queen after all. Don't think you will survive the annihilation of the Jews just because you're the queen. You won't. Besides, if you don't act, Jews will be saved some other way. But you, you'll die. And who knows? Maybe you became a queen for such a time as this. For such a time as this. When Esther accepts that she's at the right place at the right time, 
She is finally able to decide that she is not going to be defined by what, by what happens to her, but by what God has allowed her to do even in the face of death. Esther does not fall victim to fear. Instead, she does two things. First, she asks her people to start fasting and praying for her. She relies on her community. She becomes accountable and vulnerable to her people. Do you have a community you can draw your strength and courage from? I hope you found that here at the Kirk. That's why small groups are so important. You knew I was going to talk about small groups, didn't you? <laughs> If you haven't done so already, our Lenten small groups are starting next week. Please join one. You need your community. We all need our community to back us up so that we can fully live into who we were meant to be. Secondly, she makes a decision she cannot not make. By saying, if I perish, I perish, she is saying, this is the only choice I can make because of who I am and who God has called me to be. In accepting her situation and her reality, in accepting that she is here for such a time as this, in accepting that she is at the right place, at the right time, she comes face to face with their true self. You see, this is the moment where everything changes for Esther. Up to now, it was Mordecai who has been giving her instructions about what she needs to do and what she needs to say. However, this chapter ends with Esther giving orders to Mordecai. It says, Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. When she finally accepts her reality and decides what she will do, do you know what happens in chapter 5? For the first time in this story, in this book of Esther, for the first time, she is called Queen Esther. Before this, she was just Esther. But for the first time in chapter 5, she was referred to as Queen Esther. When she refused to be defined by what happens to her and decides to act, she finally becomes the queen she was meant to be. Likewise, when we accept that we are exactly at the right place at the right time, we are able to act with courage and incredible fortitude and live into who we were meant to be. Mama Bono and the volunteers at Seiki Foundation had to first accept their reality in order to act with courage for the good of the children and the elderly in their village. You are exactly in the right place at exactly the right time for the healing of your family for the healing of your community, and for the healing of this world. You are exactly in the right place at the right time for the healing of your family, 
for the healing of your community and for the healing of this world. Now, you may say, well, this story of Esther is really dramatic. I don't remember the last time the fate of the nation depended on me. Even the story of Mama Bono, I don't remember the last time I was confronted with the problem of feeding 200 people every week. The thing is, we might never have to make monumental decisions like Esther or Mama Bono, Mama, Mama Bono but we're confronted with big and small decisions every single day. What are we doing with those choices that we have in front of us? In Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Choose life. If we want to be defined by what God does through us rather than what happens to us, we're choosing life with every decision we make. Choosing life means making decisions based on love and never anything else. Choosing life means making decisions not based on what will happen to you, but who you are and who you are created to be. Choosing life means making decisions that are outside of your comfort zone for the sake of your community. Choosing life means showing up, especially to difficult places like Esther before King's throne and Mama Bono at her center after it has been broken into. And when you feel like there comes a time in your life where you can't choose life anymore because you've grown too weary of life itself. And those times do come. May you just rest in the truth that Jesus has already chosen life for you through the cross and the resurrection. Jesus has already chosen life for you. And all you have to do is live into that truth. That day at Seiki Foundation, we heard the children sing beautiful songs for us with so much joy and warmth. We were utterly heartbroken at the enormity of the situation and our smallness in the face of it. Someone from our group suggested that we forego lunch that day and donate that money to the foundation. That was the very least we could do. Of course, everyone was eager to do that. As we left Seiki Foundation, we held Mama Bono and the bright eyes of those orphans close to our hearts. Coming back to the States was really hard. I struggled with my own sense of insignificance. A few days later, I met with Pastor Marjorie for lunch. By the way, we are so blessed to have retired pastors like Pastors Marjorie and Keith, who share their wisdom and experience with the rest of us. How blessed we are to have them. Thank you so much. 
As we had lunch at Ellen's, I was going on and on about feeling like, does my life matter? What is God's will for me? Maybe God's calling me to somewhere else, like South Africa. Maybe I need to go there and do something like what Mama Bono is doing. My life here is just so comfortable. Well, there are eight orphans everywhere. Is that what I should be doing? Is God calling me somewhere else? Like South Africa, because I really wanted to go back. I was struggling, and I said, Marjorie, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. What should I do? What is God's will? I feel so insignificant. I feel like my life doesn't matter. As I went on and on, Marjorie just interrupted me, and Marjorie never interrupts me. So this is kind of like, whoa, where is this coming from? So Marjorie says, but, 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 but wait. But you see, and by this time, she, her eyes are just brimming up with tears. She goes, wait. You see, all of this, here, there, South Africa, Bluefield Hills, Kirk in the Hills, everywhere, your life, everything, all of it, all of it is God. All of your life, the insignificant part, the tremendous part, the amazing part, parts that are not so amazing, all of it is God. And I just sat there, stunned for a moment, letting the truth sink in. All of it is God. Did you know that Esther is the only book in the Bible where God is not mentioned? Not even once. If you don't believe me, go and read it. It'd be a challenge for you to read Esther because Esther is a great book to read. So go read it if you don't believe me and try to find God in Esther because you won't find it. Why is that? We see God so plainly in what happens throughout the story of Esther. As a result of Esther going to King Xerxes, the day that was set for annihilation of the Jews, that day of destruction turns into a day of celebration. In the book of Esther, God is not just a pronoun or a verb, but God is pronoun and verb and everything in between. All of it is God. We see God through Esther and in Esther, through Mordecai and in Mordecai, and we see God in King Xerxes and even in Haman. And we see God through Mama Bono, and we see God through all and everywhere that we are and that we go. Friends, all of it is God. All your life is God. May others see God in your life and in and through you as you embrace and accept 
that you have been placed exactly where you are today for such a time as this. Amen. <laughs>